<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. Gary Hoffman. Yeah. baby. Shannon Farron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. favorite things about having a radio show is what's that is you can come in here and just say blake please play fleetwood mac music all day put yourself you can put yourself in a nice little space and he has to do it by law well i don't know fcc regulation 125 sub b how does that read I don't remember the exact text. Something something to head. the effect of Blake has to do whatever we say. Yeah, that's the gist of it. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick hanging out with me today. Hoffman will be back on Monday. We have a huge show to get to. Corey Feldman is talking about no longer defending Michael Jackson. There's this unearthed interview of LaToya Jackson from the 90s, where she talks about Michael's, and I'm quoting here, crimes against small, innocent children. Uh, pretty shocking stuff there. Also an R. Kelly update. And have you heard about the Mega Millions jackpot winner? A guy in New Jersey wins $273 million, and his wife still doesn't want him back. That's how bad that relationship is. She wants... Something back, though, now. Would you go back to somebody in your past for $273 million? No, not especially not when I could take them to court and get some of that for myself, maybe. Ah, ah, I see. Is that a possibility in this case? Well, I believe she said she was going to take him back to court. That doesn't mean she'll prevail in any way, but right. she's going to try. Because they've already broken up. So she has no claim to the winning ticket. Yeah, but I wonder if he owed her anything or Ah. she can get a judge to recalculate what he could have paid had he had this money at the time. Uh, I don't know about that. lot of things. This is why, really, we have to change the laws that don't allow people to claim their lottery stuff anonymously. Do we really need to do that? You think so? 100%. Yeah. Well, the president's heading to Alabama today to survey the damage 
by that deadly tornado that just devastated Beauregard, Alabama, killed nearly two dozen people. He's going to be touring Lee County there in eastern Alabama. Twenty-three people died. I thought that death toll was going to go up as they continued to search for people. Thankfully, it did not. But seven members of one family wiped out in that thing. And, you know, there's going to be more possible tornadoes this weekend. That tornado, by the way, one of at least 38 that touched down over the weekend. Also, it is costly up in Sacramento when it comes to sexual harassment. California legislature says it racked up more than $1.8 million in legal costs from sexual harassment investigations during just last year. That's a lot of grab ass going on at the Capitol. Oh, my gosh. But we start with Paul Manafort. This was a little bit of a shock. It looked like he was going to get something between 19 and 25 years. Hell, that's what prosecutors were asking. But even the, the, the court employees, the probation department was in that ballpark as well, right? Mm-hmm. Well, his lawyers, I guess, put on one hell of, a, hell of a case. Either that or this is a judge who does not like political motivations in his courtroom. Ding, ding, ding. I think. Well, Manafort was wheeled into the courtroom. Yes, wheeled. Because of complications of gout. I mean, take some colchicine. Like, what are are we doing here? Have you ever had gout? No. Uh, I never have, but I hear it is so painful that if you're laying in bed, you can't even have a sheet on top of you. But isn't there medications to... There's medications that can prevent it. But I guess once you have it, it's harder You've got to dissolve all those all those uh, uric acid crystals I'm calling that are BS. in your joints. I'm calling BS on I'm what Paul, part of this Paul that he has gout need, needing to be in a wheelchair because of for gout. gout. Yeah, he's been in that wheelchair for a while, right? This wasn't a new thing. He's well, been complaining the of I mean, the gout. You so get your the point, gout, is, you, you get the gout under control. Your point is well taken. That you have gout, and then if you have several months, I think you can do a lot to tamp it down. Right. This isn't a flare up that happened yesterday morning. So anyway, he's wheeled into the courtroom about 3.45 p.m., green jumpsuit. He's wheeled in from the Alexandra jail where he spent the last several months in solitary confinement. His jet black hair that he had in 2016 while serving as campaign chairman, gone. Shaggy gray. Wow. You kind of have shaggy gray hair. What are you implying? Nothing. It doesn't look bad. I mean, they're, they're, they write this up like it's like gone as the jet black hair. And well, I think they're trying to show hair. the toll that it's taken on him. Uh-huh. You know, they always like to show pictures of presidents at the beginning of their yes. term and at the end, and they always look way more than eight years older. True. He spent much of his hearing hunched at his shoulders, had a, but a, an air of resignation, they say, about him. Well, he was sentenced to nearly four years yesterday in prison for tax and bank fraud Related to his work advising Ukrainian politicians, as we mentioned, this was much less than what was called for under the sentencing guidelines. President Trump saying he feels very badly for Manafort. I think it's been a very, very tough time for him, Trump said, before leaving Washington to go to Alabama. The judge, T.S. Ellis III, he is a former Navy fighter pilot. He was appointed by Reagan in the late 80s, and he is known for his impatience in court. And I think that's exactly why Manafort did not get the 19 to 25 years. Here come in the, 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 the prosecutors with their grand ideas of, of collusion and the Russia investigation, and they, they throw out this big net, right? And they're able to get Manafort on you know, tax evasion and things like that. And 
And they put on they kind of put on a case against the president almost to try and, and get him closer to collusion. Or well, he had to stop them at some point he and did. say, you cannot mention anything about Russia collusion or anything beyond these fraud charges, which were gar- garden variety fraud, although at a big scale. The judge didn't want to be a pawn. And that's how they were treating his courtroom and him as a pawn in this whole investigation into Trump and the collusion and all of that. Paul Manafort just happened to be a fish that got that got uh, caught in the net in the big net. And I think the judge was pissed off. You have a bad uh, you have a bad road ahead of you as a prosecutor. If a judge is questioning your motives in charging somebody, which he did. Remember, he said, you're just charging this guy to try to get to the president and other people over this Russian collusion stuff, implying that if they had found out about Paul Manafort's fraud some other way and there wasn't the bigger investigation, that maybe they wouldn't have bothered. Exactly. Which that I don't believe for a second. Well, and, you know, it's kind of plays into the Robert Kraft story that we were talking about yesterday. You know, they, they put out this big net for, for child trafficking and the whole bit. They get they get Robert Kraft, the little fish in their big net on uh, solicitation for prostitution. And the judge might not like that, you know. Uh, I don't think it helped also that the jury, they convicted him of, I think, eight counts, and they hung on ten. And that feeds the judge's idea that the government was overreaching against this guy. They they couldn't convince a jury of over half the charges that they brought against him. Manafort, of course, steered the president's election efforts during the crucial months of the campaign as Russia was trying to meddle into the election hacking the DNC and whatnot. He was among the first Trump associates charged in the Mueller investigation. And the thing is, the charges against Manafort, totally unrelated to his work on the campaign, totally unrelated to uh, the focus of Mueller's investigation. He's not a good guy, but he, he was taken to this high-profile level because of the Mueller investigation into the president. Yes, he was convicted on those eight counts, concluding that he hid from the IRS millions of dollars that he earned from his work in Ukraine. Now, his lawyers argued that he had engaged in what amounted to just routine tax evasion. And they cited numerous past sentences in which defendants had hidden millions of dollars from the IRS and served less than a year in prison. And the judge agreed with them. He said to impose a sentence of 19 to 24 years on Mr. Manafort would clearly be a disparity. In the end, I don't think the guidelines range is at all appropriate. And it's perfectly in his purview to do that as a federal judge. Yeah. He can throw those guidelines out the window. Uh, he has to consider them. That's his only obligation is to basically say, I acknowledge that these exist. And then he can do just about whatever he wants. And what happens is, as more and more judges do what this judge did, it creates more and more evidence of disparity, right? If every, if every judge gives people a massive break, then over time, when you go to court and you have a guidelines range of, say, 10 years, but all these judges have given people five years, well, now you say, Your Honor, you can't give this guy 10 years because look at all these people who got five years. And so it has a snowball effect. I'm glad you say that because there's a lot of outcry today that this is a sign of uh, the the disparity in the judicial system, that uh, Paul Manafort is an example of one of these rich, white-collar criminals, well-connected, that gets a break when everybody else doesn't. 
Um, there are, are people like Scott Heckinger. He's a senior staff attorney at Brooklyn Defender Services. This is an organization that provides legal representation to defendants who cannot afford it. And he used one of his recent clients as an example to this, of the disparity between somebody like Manafort and somebody like his client. This client was just offered a 36 to 72-month sentence. The crime was stealing $100 worth of quarters from a residential laundry room. This is a guy who's going to wind up doing more time than Manafort, a a guy who defrauded the IRS out of $6 million and lied to prosecutors who he said he was going to cooperate with. Yeah, he's not telling you something, though. There's no way that's happening except that his client has priors. Yes, absolutely. Uh, He he lists other uh, examples. A Brooklyn teenager who got a 19 years to life sentence for burning a mattress in the hallway of the apartment building. Well, you know what happened? Uh, an officer responded to the scene and ended up dying of smoke, in, of smoke inhalation. Yeah. That's worse, Scott, than than uh, obstructing the IRS. Or well, you have to compare. One of you the have problems. To compare the judge that this this very judge. If you're going to do the whole uh, justice system disparity thing, um, yeah. Look at T. S. Eliot's record. T. S. Eliot's. That, that's his Ellis. I love excuse his me, excuse me. poetry. <laughs> T. Me too. T. S. Uh, <laughs> T.S. Ellis the Third is the judge uh-huh. in this case. You have to look at what he is sentenced. Who who he? Is I think you, no. I think you do need to look at what people who are similarly situated got. Here's here's the problem. Is, okay. First of all, first of all, you've got to be looking at the same kind of crime. You cannot be comparing like an arson right. with a tax fraud. Right. That's ridiculous. And you want to look at crimes that were similar in their scope, similar amounts of money, similar levels of sophistication. But you also have to compare the defendants themselves because one guy who steals $100 and has no prior record is different than a guy who steals $100 and has 10 priors. Absolutely. I mean, apples and oranges here. But lawyers, this unwarranted disparity part of federal sentencing is one of the one of the things that defense attorneys really seize upon. Oh, and yeah. they, they try to find cases to present. And a lot of times you can completely destroy the idea that the cases they're presenting are similar to the case that's in front of the court. And I don't know what cases they, all the cases that they filed to show uh, Judge Ellis that this would be disparate. But the guy who's complaining about rich, connected people getting breaks all the time. That's true, and that happens. But you know what? In front of other judges, those are the people who get slammed the hardest. Yeah, And it's, honest to God, it's the gang member who had the impoverished upbringing who gets the break. Which goes back to your point. The judge is the key factor in what's going to happen to you. And I think that this may not be in line with what he usually does with similar defendants, but I really do think he was so pissed off at prosecutors that were using his courtroom and him uh, as a dog and pony show to to get more attention into the Russia investigation. Um, Manafort, by the way, still faces the possibility of additional time from his sentencing in a separate case in D.C. where he pleaded guilty to charges related to illegal lobbying. So that's still to come. Something to look forward to for yeah, Paul. Yeah, that there. judge has the option to tack on consecutive time. Yes. And she has 10 years to work with. She has a maximum of 10 years. Uh, I don't know if she's going to think it's appropriate to tack on another 10 on top of what he got here, but it's possible.
Hey, did you see this story in the Wall Street Journal about uh, Pharma Bro? Remember, the, he was called the most hated man in America uh, at one time. This was the guy that ran the drug company that raised the cost of an HIV drug from $13 to $750 per pill. Yes, you remember. He is now serving time. The pharmaceutical executive, Martin Screlly. He apparently is still running that drug company from prison. The drug company has undergone some name changes, but it's still the shady-ass drug company that Mm -hmm. raised the rates like that. It's now called Phoenixus. Do you think I'm saying that correctly? I think you are. Okay. Phoenixus. And it was the drug company touring that became a national lightning rod for jacking up the prices of the rare drugs. Turing Pharmaceuticals was the name of it. One of those drugs, he jacked up the price 5,000%. Yes. He is 16 months into a seven-year sentence for securities fraud, but he's still calling the shots. A few weeks ago, he called up his CEO that he handpicked, by the way. The CEO's on a safari vacation, and he calls him up to fire him. Right there. How's he calling him, you're asking? Well, he's got a contraband cell phone, just like a mob boss. He also is running a personal blog. Uh, He's comparing himself to Elon Musk. And he has a a phony Twitter account. He was blocked from Twitter at one point, and and then he was able to get back in. He tweets. We started another one. He didn't put his name on it. He tweets AOC, all sorts of people. They say that he spends his time reading uh, into research, into fatty acids, the prevention of cardiovascular disease. He's trying to make his company even more valuable from behind bars. He cuts his own hair with safety scissors. He's growing a patchy beard. He's bulking up, apparently. This is a low-security federal correctional institution that is built on the uh, grounds of an old army base. It's about an hour and a half from his former multi-million dollar Manhattan penthouse. He's even made friends inside. Say their names. Crispy Mm -hmm. and D-Block. Yep. Crispy and D-Block have his back. When he walks around the prison, they're there to make sure other inmates don't mess with him. Do you know what his nickname is? I do, but I I can't say it on the radio. A-Hole is his name. Yes, except not censored. Apparently, Crispy and D-Block... Walk alongside A-Hole in the hall to ward off shenanigans from other inmates. They're like his protectors. Yeah. They also help him avoid um, faux pas of etiquette. Apparently, he was invited to play in a prison band. And they took Crispy and uh, D-Block took him aside and said, no, 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 you don't want to join that band because all the people in this prison band are in there for child molestation. And you don't want to get involved in that. Oh, that's a solid. Yeah, they're, right looking, they're looking out for him because I'm sure he has money. And I'm sure that they're not doing it solely out of the goodness of their heart. The FBI has interviewed uh, associates about Martin's ongoing role. The FBI is not talking about what they've learned, but they are talking to a lot of people that know that Martin is still involved. Conducting a business in any way from prison, allegedly, is a prohibited act. And that, of course, they're trying to crack down on contraband cell phones and the like. For him, though, at 35 years old, the risk is worth it because he needs to make some money.
he thinks that Phoenixus could be worth $3.7 billion by the time he's due to be freed in 2023. His plan moving forward is acquiring more rare drugs in various stage, uh, stages of development. So he has a whole business model of price gouging. Oh, yeah. It sounds like that is his entire approach uh, to healing people is to buy up all the drugs that he would have the biggest market lock on and then jack up the prices. And I remember that when he was doing that before and people went crazy that he was defiant about it being a 100 percent appropriate thing to do. And I didn't even say, in essence, you would be an idiot if you didn't. Yes, in August 2015, Turing made its first big move, and they acquired the U.S. marketing rights to a drug called Daraprim. Daraprim is a treatment for pneumonia in, in patients that have a rare parasitic disease. His business plan involved boosting the sticker price more than 50-fold. Overnight, he was a sensation. He said things in public that were outlandish. One of the, the financiers who invested in touring months before this whole Daraprim mess said all of us were horrified. And Martin was having the time of his life. He was on fire. He loved the controversy. Do you remember him streaming on Facebook Live during this time when he was so hated? And he would get on Facebook Live and just taunt everybody. The French financier who said that, you know, they were all horrified and he loved it. He said, the day that he was arrested, I felt relieved. I thought, now we can seize back control of the company. But even from inside, he's still running the show. After Screlly was released on bail, he appointed a guy at Wall Street. They call him a wheeler and dealer. His name is Ron Tills. They, they, he, he appointed Ron Tills to, to run touring as a CEO. And it did not go well. The, the two did not get along. He, Martin essentially wanted Ron Tills to just do whatever he said, and that wasn't the case. Ron Tills told a friend about a year into this venture, I'm ready to blow my brains out. Like, this guy is insane. So, anyway, he's been fired. A new team took over in, in 2017. That's kind of just his puppets. Yeah, one of the guys that's on the board of this company now is some kid that he met on Twitter. Well, he's 27. And he met him on Twitter, and his previous job, the thing that qualifies him to be appointed to the board of this multi-multi-multi-million-dollar uh, pharmaceutical company, uh, his previous job was buying rare sneakers and then flipping them and getting more for them. Okay. That's and him. he put him on the board of his company. So obviously right. he has no intention of giving up actual control. Well, I want to know how, now that these articles have come out, I want to know how long it is until he is no longer at Fort Dix, a minimum security facility, and finds himself in a high security facility. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? He's Although not getting out the, anytime soon. According to the Bureau of Prisons locator site right now, he's still at Fort Dix. All right, coming up next, it looks like there's a bunch of rich New Yorkers who are faking moves to Florida to avoid paying more in taxes. And it's such a fun cat and mouse game between the state tax collectors and these people that there are actually refrigerator searches going on and the collectors are tracking down vet bills, like vet dentistry bills. So we'll talk about it. Can't run from the tax man forever, I guess. 
Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick in here today. Shannon, I was just reliving some of the Fleetwood Mac drama from the rumors time where Stevie Nicks had just split with Lindsey Buckingham. Christine was in the midst of divorcing her husband, John McVie, and Mick Fleetwood was having trouble in his marriage, which led to his relationship with Stevie Nicks at the time. I mean, everyone's having sex with everyone, and we've got more Fleetwood Mac drama to tell you about coming up at the bottom of the hour. Well, it looks like there's quite the cat and mouse game going on between state tax collectors in New York and wealthy New Yorkers who want to hide their money from the tax man. New federal tax laws are limiting the deduction of state and local income taxes, and that creates some big incentives for people with a lot of money in New York to move to Florida, which is usually their first choice, or other lower tax states. In fact, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said last month that the wealth flight, as he's calling it, is the reason that the state had a revenue shortfall of $2.3 billion in December and January. So now the New York State Department of Taxation and Finance is trying to make sure that high earners who try to escape without an audit and a bill are caught. They conducted about 3,000 non-residency audits a year. Over the past seven years, they've collected around a billion dollars. They're very successful at these audits. Oh, yeah. The New York tax authorities are second only to California's Franchise Tax Board, which are super aggressive and have no sympathy for anyone. Barry Horowitz is a partner at an accounting firm there. He says if you're a high earner in New York and you move to Florida, your chances of a residency audit are 100 percent. He says New York's always been aggressive, but it's getting it's getting much worse. Yeah. And I think we should make clear, you can move to Florida and they can't do anything to you. What they're talking about here is people who say they moved to Florida, but they didn't really move to Florida. They are going above and beyond. They're using the, the usual methods to figure out if a taxpayer's gaming the system. You know, they're checking credit card bills and travel schedules. But now... They're starting to track cell phone records, social media. They're looking at vet vet bills, dentist records. Auditors are even going to these people's homes to look inside their refrigerators. Oh, yeah, because what happens is a rich person, they, they, quote, move to Florida. But really all they do is they buy a little house in Florida. And they're still in New York. And the auditors say... Uh, let's look at your New York house and make sure it looks like the kind of house that you don't live in. If the refrigerator's full, if we know that you're taking your dog to the vet here in New York, that means you didn't really move to Florida. Now, the stories of the wealthy counting the number of days they spend in New York and Florida to make sure they comply with the residency rules, that's been going on for decades uh, conventional wisdom holds that if you're out of New York State for 183 days, 
you don't have to pay state taxes. Tax advisors say that while the number of days matter, that the real test for auditors is domicile. Again, like you were saying, the ability to prove that a taxpayer's permanent primary home is in Florida rather than New York. Now, this has become complicated because now the rich, they have four or five homes. You know, they, uh, they rarely spend as much time in any one place. The auditors are now checking to make sure a taxpayer's home in New York is smaller and less expensive than his or her home in Florida. They want to see if a taxpayer's artwork, wedding albums, family photos. Yeah. Where's where's your high school or college diploma? Is it in your home in Florida or your home in New York? If a taxpayer's dentist is in New York rather than Florida, that's a red flag for auditors. That's funny. They're well, looking at artwork and wedding albums. Sure, because they have to establish that you really aren't living in Florida. Now, I don't know why, if you're so fed up with the tax structure and now you know they're going to come after you like this, I think your choice really becomes, if you're going to move to Florida, really move to Florida. They're and saying- if you want to keep an apartment or something in New York... That you, you know, come to a few times during the year, that would be okay. But these people, they are trying to game the system. It's like the people who move to California and never re-register their car so that they, they keep it registered in the state they came from where the registration fees are lower. And you see people who've lived in Los Angeles for three, four years, they're driving around with North Carolina license plates. The uh, the, the people who allow you to or help you cheat on your taxes do have a tip. Get a dog and put it in Florida, I, <laughs> which is pretty terrible. Yeah. Well, I think, they're, say, I think if, they're saying, are they saying get a dog and put it in Florida? Or if you have a dog, the dog needs to live in Florida and go to the vet in Florida. They recommend that. Because that's pretty. You got to really want to evade taxes to get a dog just to park it in Florida. They recommend that clients keep their dogs in Florida. But what I'm reading is get a dog and put it in Florida. But if you have a dog. You, that won't work. I have a dog that I actually love. Now I buy a prop dog yeah. and I put it in Florida. Yeah. But I'm still taking my dog, my real dog, to the vet in New York. They're still going to catch me. Well, you could have a vet in New York and a vet in Florida for the prop dog. No, you don't want vet bills from New York. A vet bill from New York that's one of the warning signs that you didn't really move to Florida. So I guess the secret would be don't have a dog you love. Just have the prop dog right. and put it in Florida. Although what's a, the a point? Then why not have no dog? And then you don't have because to worry at all. Because the dog is proof that you live in Florida. Oh, I see. To create that. Oh, you're, see, you're more devious than I am. I am. Get the prop dog and pay somebody down there to yes. take it to the vet. Do the walk, dog bills. walking, all of that. Mm. I've got I've got the system game, Dwayne. You need to cheat on your taxes, you call me. All right. Write down your number. All right. Just in case. I love that though. Auditors going through people's refrigerators. Like, oh they are well, you saw the impact that it had on their revenue, right? I mean, they took a huge hit and yeah. they and they are desperate. This is the equivalent of looking in the couch cushions for any extra money they can possibly find. Yeah. When They're just need, as aggressive here in California. When you need gas money. and uh, Right. You start looking everywhere. You pull every jacket out of your closet, right. every pair of pants to see if you can shake a couple of quarters out of it. 
All right, coming up next, Fleetwood Mac. One constant of Fleetwood Mac is drama since its inception and 2019, no different. We've got more drama to tell you about. Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick is in here today. is hanging out with me today. Hoffman will be back Monday. Maybe. I don't know. He's at a cabin in the woods in in Oklahoma. (laughs) If anybody's playing banjos, dumbass. I'm sorry? No, I preferred hearing Gary. What were you going to say? Just a joke about if anybody's playing banjos. Oh, yeah. Deliverance? Mm -hmm. That's what it sounds like to me. But, hey, to each his own. President Trump says he feels very badly for Paul Manafort. Of course, Manafort, Trump's former campaign chairman, sentenced yesterday by a federal judge to nearly four years in prison for tax and bank fraud related to his work advertising Ukrainian politicians. Excuse me, advising, not advertising. <laughs> that's a whole different. That's a whole different uh, ball game, isn't it? Trump uh, is going to survey the tornado damage in Alabama. So. He'll be touring Lee County there. Uh, Also, Chelsea Manning has been jailed for refusing to testify to a grand jury in Virginia that's investigating WikiLeaks. There's a brief hearing. She confirmed she has no intention of testifying to the grand jury. She has said that she objects to the secrecy of the grand jury process and that she's already revealed everything she knows at her court martial. So then it's a waiting game. Because either either she, uh, she will crack first because she doesn't want to be in jail. But what also happens a lot is she won't. And at some point, the judge will go, well, keeping you in jail is not going to get what we want. So off you go. You're free again. Fleetwood Mac is on tour. Sands Lindsay Buckingham. Which I don't know if I'd, I'd go to. I mean, part of the... Part of the fun of Fleetwood Mac is seeing the interaction between Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just... This, You're looking at it like a reality show. I Absolutely. I mean, it's been 52 years of drama for, for Fleetwood Mac. And uh, Mick Fleetwood says that they have no, no plans, absolutely not, to retire from the road. He's 71 now. He just did an interview with the New York Post. And he says, this is what we do that really... Is where we're at. He says, in the past, when we literally never stopped, we never even thought of smelling the roses, going on a holiday or something. It was always straight in the studio and straight on the road. Lindsey Buckingham, of course, joined with Stevie Nicks back in 1974. That's when they started having their wide success. And he was booted from the group in April of last year. They had to re- they had to bring in two musicians to replace him. Uh, Neil Finn who was the former front man of Crowded House, you know, Don't Dream It's Over, that Mm -hmm. whole bit. And Mike Campbell, who was a guitarist for Tom Petty. 
Buckingham's dismissed, and then he sues Fleetwood Mac. That lawsuit was settled out of court. And that was just really the latest drama uh, uh, for the group. And again, the the rumors drama is really the best. This was the best album. I, I think probably lauded as one of the best albums ever. Rumors. Oh, yeah. Based the, based almost entirely on everybody's romantic angst. Right. At the being time, cheated on. She, uh, Stevie Nicks was leaving Lindsey Buckingham, and she was hooking up with Mick Fleetwood, and uh, the McVees were getting divorced. And it's just... It's just so good, isn't it? It was like a reality show before the reality shows. And that the band had this history because, you know, there was a whole incarnation of the band before Nixon Buggingham and they right. were more blues based. And even back then, um, they had a guitarist named Bob Weston and he got kicked out of the band because he had an affair with Mick Fleetwood's wife. So this was going on before Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham joined. They didn't bring that energy to this band. Uh, Peter Green was another guy that got kicked well, out of the He's one band. of the originals, yeah. Yeah, he was a founding member of the group. He he's wrote, a guy that wrote, oh, you were going to say it. Yeah, Black Magic Woman. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was originally performed by Fleetwood Mac and then... Uh, Santana, of and course, then, had a huge Yeah, Santana. That. And then Jeremy Spencer was another guy that got booted out of the band. another original. He, uh, he <laughs> apparently wrote... Jesus Freaks out in the street in Tiny Dancer. No, he, no. He inspired Bernie Topin to write that line. Oh, because I see. I'm like, why, why, would Jer- he, why would he write one line in Jeremy song? Spencer may be the only person to ever leave Fleetwood Mac not over adultery. That's he left right. to join a religious cult. The children of God. Yeah. And then remember in the 90s, they brought in Dave Mason do you remember they did that for a couple of years? No. And Dave Mason had, had was one of the founders of Traffic, and he had that hit, We Just Disagree. So he was already well-established as a as a musician, and uh, they did that album. What was that album called? Time, I think, in the mid-'90s. It is a forgettable situation, but they brought him in for a couple of years. They still play for three hours. I mean, imagine oh, yeah. that, being a 71 years old, Mick Fleetwood, and playing for three hours. They really do put on a great show. I also don't want to forget about the mounds of cocaine that went into this band. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are stories with uh, that Stevie Nicks talks about where it, it was it was bad. It was dark. A lot of grudges. I have a I have a longstanding grudge against Fleetwood Mac that I will probably never get over. What is that? Fleetwood Mac was my first ever rock concert, and it was the Rumors tour, and it was at the stadium at UCSB. And I was, you know, a kid, and I rode my bike with my friend, and we went to this concert, and I saw people smoke pot for the first time in my life. In fact, I saw my Sunday school teacher smoking pot and French kissing her boyfriend. Okay, I'm not seeing At Fleetwood Mac. I don't see a problem with it. Here's the grudge. Okay. Rumors tour, they played for about two and a half hours. They didn't play Don't Stop. That's your grudge. They pulled... They pulled that trick of we're not going to play our super big hit. Look at us. Yeah, I hate it when bands do that. I don't like you it. You know, it's like I go into a concert with a, a list in my head and uh, maybe four or five songs, and I say, if they don't play these songs, I'm going to riot, and I really do mean it. 
you know. But Steve, but Fleetwood Mac has such a catalog of songs. I mean, they back do. then they di- they didn't. It wasn't as uh, it wasn't as large. But but now it's it's hard to it's hard to hold them to singing their biggest hits. Right? There's just too many. All right. Coming up next, we'll play "Don't Stop" in its entirety for Wayne Resnick, and an update on City Council and its rodent problem. Right here on Gary and Shannon. Shannon Page. Do you not want me to for real? You want to review it first? Do whatever you No, it doesn't matter. It's really great. Oh, oh, well. <laughs> no? Do whatever you want. Do it, Shannon. It's do it. Really it happened. Lo- you just seem so lovable here. Well, you say that like that's not normally the case. Dance moves on point, too, so you're good. Mm-hmm. We don't have any haters on our social, so don't worry. Yeah, everybody's real, <laughs> real nice there. Oh, no, one guy said that I suck. At least, I should say, at least one guy I suck. All right, that's up on our... uh... Although saying someone sucks is so reductive that it doesn't even work as an insult. Instagram. Gary and Shannon, check it out. Wayne enjoys Don't Stop because back in 1978, they didn't play it for him. All right, we have new R. Kelly news we're going to get to this hour. It looks like his former lawyer... Uh, this is scandalous. I know. His former lawyer says that R. Kelly was guilty as hell in that child pornography trial he was acquitted in 11 years ago. Also, that he might need, like, anti-libido drugs to control himself. And Michael Jackson news as well. There has been an interview from 1993 that has been unearthed is is of LaToya Jackson when she was on tour and she talks about the crimes that her brother was committing. So we'll play that for you, too, coming up this hour. Well, we have long documented the typhus outbreak in Los Angeles and the typhus outbreak that seems to have moved into City Hall. There was talk that they were going to have to rip out all the carpets of City Hall and City Hall East. This happened after an employee of City Attorney Mike Fuhrer reported that she was diagnosed with typhus. She's a deputy city attorney. Her name's Elizabeth Greenwood. And she says she was diagnosed with typhus last year. She found insect bites on her shin while she was working there at City Hall East. She said she had symptoms that include severe dizziness, 102-degree fever, The worst headache she said she ever had in her entire life. Of course, typhus can be spread to humans through flea bites. Contact with the the feces of infected fleas as well. That sounds lovely. 
So the city council responds to Elizabeth's typhus by calling for an audit of rodents and fleas within City Hall, in- including that assessment of whether they need to rip out the uh, the carpets. Now, city employees there have complained about the rat situation for months. They say that they've found rodent droppings, uh, partially eaten houseplants, tiny paw prints on their paperwork. Three rats were caught in one of the councilwoman's offices. Let me ask you this, Wayne. And they were downloading, uh, they were bit-torrenting music. If we're sitting here right now and a rat runs across the uh, desk here, do you think it would take months of complaints for them to bring someone in and deal with that rat? Maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. I think if we went to Robin, we said we have rats and droppings in our office, she would act immediately. Because that's what you do when you run a successful organization. That's true. You're right. I mean, good Lord. But you, you, you said, have to work but, with rats no, the and the droppings your, for months? The key of your comparison is this is what you do when you run a successful organization. This is City Hall for the city of Los Angeles. They brought in a uh, cleanup crew, several cleanup crews that have been working for the past month to attack the rat problem. They've been uh, pruning the, the ficus trees outside City Hall. Pairing back other vegetation, they say, but rats continue to be spotted on the south lawn of City Hall, mm-hmm. including during the daylight hours. Maybe it was from that Occupy movement when uh, God knows what's still left behind. I know, just jar I, deep all, down in the soil. God, all I remember were those uh, like milk, like the gallons of milk uh, containers, just filled with urine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to talk about the... Um... And I'll never forget what Steve Gregory found when he went into one of those porta potties. I'm not going to go into details, but it was well, I don't two think of you the could... Occupy people I think it's sex. rude to bring that up and then not tell what, I just, you're, what I just you're talking did. about. I just did, because I can't keep okay, secrets. Okay. He walked into the porta potty and found two dirty Occupy people in, in, the, in the motions. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they hired this firm to assess uh, the presence of fleas at L.A. City Hall. They say they, they've found no fleas. This is a company based out of North Hollywood. It's called Cats USA Pest Control. And it says it found nothing out of the ordinary during inspections. It did find fungus gnats, ants, flies, centipedes, and other insects, but no fleas. Oh, that's good. Well, there's still the rats, though. The rats still exist. Right. But you're not getting the typhus directly from the rats. So the employee who got the typhus, if there are no fleas, that suggests she didn't get it at City Hall. Mm-hmm. But you're still dealing with rats. At well, work. that's a separate problem. Yeah. There's even a sign at City Hall now that 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 gives you tips on how to avoid attracting rodents. <sighs> Do you imagine that you show up for work on Monday and there's a sign on your office door? It says, hey, don't feed the squirrels. I thought rat control is a discipline that's been around for decades and decades and decades. You'd think in the modern times they could get rid of the rats. But it seems like they're kind of throwing up their hands a little bit, especially now that they don't have fleas. I guarantee they're like, well, we don't have fleas, so I guess really, uh, you know, we'll try. We'll do our best, but sometimes you're just going to have to have some rats. 
Guess what, Wayneski? It is Free Movie Friday. Free Movie Friday with Adam Tickets. It is ending after this month, so Aww. be sure to tune in every Friday for a chance to win before it ends. Of course, the Adam Tickets app lets you browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all from your phone. You can skip those lines. Adam Tickets wants to give you a chance at free movie tickets. So here's what you do. Text DATING to ADAM1. Text DATING to ATOM1 for your chance to win. Standard data and text message rates may apply. Coming up next, we've got an R. Kelly update for you. Boy, do we. It just keeps getting worse, doesn't it? Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick in today. Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick hanging out with me today. Hoffman will be back on Monday. The president is heading to Alabama to look at the damage by that tornado that killed 23 people over the weekend, that E4 tornado. Looks like there are more tornadoes forecast this weekend for that area. The California legislature paid more than $1.8 million in legal costs due to sexual harassment just last year. Holy hell. Hiring numbers not so great for February. Uh, Looks like just 20,000 jobs were added. That's the smallest monthly gain in nearly a year and a half. They're blaming bad winter weather and the government shutdown on that. Well, R. Kelly just can't stay out of the news, can he? The parents of one of R. Kelly's girlfriends made a plea for her to come home to them today, saying that they still love her despite her accusing them of lying for money. Here's dad, Timothy. What do you all have to say to R. Kelly? Hmm. Really? Really? He need to rot in jail. I'm sorry, but that's just the way I feel. I'm sorry that he needs help, Mm -hmm. but this man has done so many women wrong, he needs to rot in that jail cell. Period. Now, their daughter's name is Jocelyn, and she says that this all started when her parents took her to an R. Kelly concert, and R. Kelly uh, agrees with that. I didn't go looking for a Jocelyn Savage. I was doing my show. He brought her and asked a friend of mine to put her on the stage with R. Kelly. Never have that ever happened. So you didn't bring her to the show? No, I did not. Have you met R. Kelly? I've never met Mr. Kelly. You have never met R. Kelly? Never in my entire life met Mr. Kelly. I've only talked to him one time on the phone. Now, the daughter says that her parents did want money out of this uh, arrangement. My parents definitely started this whole situation. Which situation? Well, what's going on? You know, basically lying and trying to get money and bringing out all these different lies and stuff. You know, my parents, they put out, especially my dad, he's the whole master of this whole situation. Did either of you try to get money from R. Kelly? No. No. You never got money from him, and you never tried to get money from him. Is that what you're saying? No. No, only business dealing were potentially for related to my daughter. Now, I'm feeling I'm bad. sorry, I'm- what, what was that? Potentially for related to my daughter. No, only business dealings were potential. Only business dealings were potentially for my daughter. Whoa! Wait, how do we go from 
We never met the guy. We didn't bring her to a concert. We don't know anything except he stole our daughter to, well, it's a technicality. You never got any money from R. Kelly? Well, no, we never got any money from R. Kelly. The only thing would have been money for our daughter. Um, Let's see if Gail King follows that up. So why is your daughter saying that this is all about money? No, she doesn't. No, she does not, does she? You know, she? I was trying to feel bad for Gail King, uh, but not anymore. Well, I right. like Gail King, but she, she may too. not have... She wasn't probably expecting it, and it may not have registered in her mind in the moment. I mean, it's just but, such a mess for her to be involved in. And, and then there's this hard-hitting question as well. Can you explain why you get out of court, and the first thing you do is go to McDonald's? I mean, and you're just sort of yucking it up at McDonald's. I'm thinking, does he like the fries, the Big Mac? I just think, what? What in the hell is this question? I don't does know. he like the fries? Does he like the Big Mac? Considering the seriousness of the charge. You got to eat, Gail. Considering the seriousness of the charge, I just wouldn't think you'd go and hang at McDonald's. Is it just me? I didn't go hang. I saw you sitting at McDonald's. I saw you sitting there. I saw you. That's like a hard-hitting journalism. Well, you have to eat there. You can't take the fries home. They don't survive the drive. They stink by the time you get home. Everybody knows you have to eat in the McDonald's or in the car. Mm -hmm. You ever been in jail, Gail? No, I can honestly say I've never been in jail. Okay, so then listen to me clear. I'm listening. Okay. You want fries. Now, I grew up on, like, certain things, but I was in a place... Where I wanted that, fries. First of all, I, I, I felt like I shouldn't be. But I was there. Mm-hmm. It was real. And I wanted okay. fries. There was times when I was very hungry. Mm-hmm. Right? My favorite restaurant, okay, is McDonald's. Because mm-hmm. I love my mom. And yeah, I got memories of me and my mom when we used to go to McDonald's. And we could only afford a Danish and some coffee. Mm-hmm. Isn't that all of us, Did though? he just say we could only afford a Danish and a coffee? Yeah, or did I mishear him? Those, like, those, those apple pies, you know? Yeah. I think that's what he meant. Oh, he meant an apple pie? Yeah. Okay. When I think Danish Nobody's accused him of being a uh, bakery expert. No. I guess. Uh, But isn't R. Kelly all of us in that moment? Like, we all grew up going to McDonald's and it's nostalgia and everything. I just find it funny that Gail had to uh, put a laser focus on why did you go to McDonald's? I think it's to... She was trying to shame him somehow that it was frivolous of him. Right. With, what what with is he supposed to do? Go have a on. lobster? What is? He, what do you? What would be appropriate, Wayne, to eat after? I don't. Know, you I think you have to go out. home. You have to go home and turn off all the lights and microwave a lean cuisine or something. Okay, that would be something contrite. I don't know. I don't know what a contrite meal is. Yeah. What would? What would be? Let's do a quick gas go around here. Um, let's forget about what the charges are for. Let's forget about what you're going inside for. You have been in jail for the weekend, an extended weekend, and you get out. Where do you go eat right away? Because you are hungry. I mean, all they all they gave you was sweaty bologna sandwich the night before. Blake. Well, I think if it was just a weekend, I'd probably just eat wherever, like, people wanted to go i don't think i would be all that torn up you're the only person you're oh the, it's just it's me your call oh probably in and out in and out uh nick where do you go after after you get out of jail i get like a big vincenzo's pizza that sounds good like a big cheese pizza isabella where would you go i wanted to say in and out but i'll probably say chick-fil-a now chick-fil-a yeah amy king you just get out of jail where do you stop taco bell and then the liquor store Good call. Good call. Excellent pairing. <laughs> Wayne Resnick. What time is it? <laughs> 10.30 a.m. Oh, well, that changes things. Jack in the Box drive through 
20 tacos. 20 tacos. Yeah. All right. I'd probably go to McDonald's. I'd probably go to McDonald's because you know what? McDonald's is comforting in that nostalgia way. You know, it's like comfort food. Um, Wait, when do they switch from breakfast to uh, lunch food at McDonald's? 10.30 or 10. 10.30. 10, is it 10 or 10.30? They I thought they changed. Day, yeah. They? Well, yeah. some items. Not all the items. Yeah. I don't see because if it's ten thirty in the morning, I'm gonna go find myself a, like a big old breakfast burrito. Yeah, making myself feel real loved. <laughs> all right, now that we all have our post prison meals so planned, hungry. I feel like we did some real work here today. Coming up next, I know now we're all hungry. Get McDonald's. Um, let's get Taco Bell. Um, yes. How far will Vincenzo's deliver? <laughs> Coming up next, Michael Jackson news. Corey Feldman is weighing in on, on these abuse allegations. Latoya Jackson is weighing in from 1993. And the Simpsons are also talking about their Michael Jackson episode. We will get you all caught up when we come back. Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick in today. gosh, I just read this story and it's horrifying. Uh, Before we get to the Michael Jackson stuff, KTVU up in the Bay Area, up in San Francisco area, reports that there was a a 79-year-old man at Kaiser Permanente in the ER in Fremont up there. And that his granddaughter was with him. They're in the ICU And a nurse tells them that the doctor will soon be making his rounds. A robot comes in the room. And the doctor appears on a video screen on the robot. And the robot says that the grandfather's lungs are failing and he doesn't have long to live. So you get that news from your doctor's face in a robot. Talk about bedside manner. I would punch that robot right in the face, wouldn't you? That's probably why the doctor didn't go into the room. Well, you oh, because it was a robot? Yeah. You wouldn't punch the real doctor. No. You're not angry about a robot the diagnosis. Not, no, a robot should not be giving you the news that you're you're done, that you can't buy any ripe bananas anymore. No. You know? But this is the future of telemedicine. Well, that's terrible. And they're going to have to deal with that aspect of it. But you know what? I think doctors may love it because I'm sure that's got to be the worst part of your job as a doctor is telling somebody... I know, but Something you're a doctor. Like that. You know, you signed up for that. Come on. Come on, Wayne. All right. Corey Feldman is dramatically pulling back his support for his friend Michael Jackson in light of this HBO documentary, Leaving Neverland. Did you see this documentary? I watched some of it, and uh, it was so excruciatingly intense that I stopped. Me too. Because it's all real, and I was like, I don't need to force-feed myself this material. I just don't need to. It was, was, as I think you described it perfectly, excruciating. It was so graphic and made me feel so uncomfortable. And I don't know why, because I just suffered through Abducted in Plain Sight and watched that from start to finish. But for some reason... Well, that may be part of it. It depleted... 
You yeah. know what I mean? It oh, somewhat depleted yeah. your tolerance for yeah. that kind of stuff. So Corey Feldman told HLN that he can no longer speak in support of Jackson after watching the documentary. He says, I don't want to be perceived as I'm here to defend Michael Jackson because I can no longer do that. Not in good consciousness. Defend anyone who's being accused of such horrendous crimes. But he also said, I'm not here to judge him. Which is odd to me because in order for him to decide that he can't defend him anymore, he must believe at least some of these allegations. Once you believe at least some of them, why can't you judge the man? The document, the documentary is a two-part, four-hour documentary. It's centered around two guys, Wade Robson and James Safechuck, and they both tell stories of Jackson uh, allegedly sexually abusing them at ages 7 and 10 when they were in his inner circle, his inner circle at the height of um, Jackson's fame. Now, there was a real shock when Michael Jackson's sister LaToya, an interview she did in 1993 with MTV when this interview came to light. Listen to this sound. It's pretty chilling. Again, 1993, LaToya Jackson. This is when she was on on tour. I must tell you that um, this is very difficult for me, that Michael is my brother. I love him a great deal, but I cannot and I will not be a silent collaborator of his crimes against small, innocent children. And if I remain silent, then I mean that I feel the guilt and the humiliation that these children are feeling, and I think it's very wrong. I have seen checks payable to the parents of these children. And I don't know if these children were apparently bought to the parents by Michael or not, but I have seen these checks, and I've seen these checks through my mother. She showed me these checks that Michael had written to these children, and it's for a great amount. And I'm not speaking pennies. The sums are very, very large amounts. And this is my first time talking about it, and I never want to speak about it. I never want to say anything about it. But I think it's sad because I am a victim myself, and I know what it feels like. And these kids are going to be scarred for the rest of their life, and I don't want to see any more innocent small children being affected this way. I love Michael very dearly, but I feel even more sorry for these children because they don't have a life anymore. They don't. Now you stop and you think for one second and you tell me what 35-year-old man is going to take a little boy and stay with him for 30 days and take another boy and stay with him for five days in a room and never leave the room. How many of you out there are 35 years old? How many men are out there? How many would take little kids and do that that are 9, 10, 11 years old? I love my brother, but it's wrong. I don't want to see these kids hurt. I've been hurt by it, too. My father molested me sexually, and I don't like it. I don't like the way it feels. And to this day, this is my husband, and he can vouch for this. I will not have a relationship with him because of that. But I love him dearly, but I cannot. Perhaps one day I will come to terms with it, and I will be able to. But for now, I can't do it. And that's what I don't want to see happen to these little kids, because I know what it feels like in the heart. Oh, M.A. Hey. Mm-hmm. Now, she was on the outs, though, with that family at that time, wasn't she? And she later retracted her allegations, saying that she had been convinced to make them up by her then-husband. These accusations were made after the father of a kid named Jordy Chandler, 13 years old, accused Jackson of molesting his son. And there was a subsequent settlement. But it doesn't sound like Latoya's lying there. No, but it's really hard to tell 
because of the circumstances and the fact. And I forgot there was some there was bad blood and also and I forgot what they were accusing her of, but they were accusing her of something also. And when you get that emotional and you're so angry at people that you've grown up with and that are your family, um, sometimes you can say things that sound like you totally believe them. Yeah. Her mother? Why would why would the mother show her checks that they wrote to the parents of these kids? I don't know. That whole family. Hey, Latoya, come here for a second. Like a mess. Look at this. Just a uh, fresh hell being in that Jackson family. And uh, now we may never get to see that Simpsons episode again. Yeah, they've cut that episode that features the voice of Michael Jackson from their archives following this uh, Neverland story. The episode was called Stark Raving Dad. It appeared in season three. It's been pulled from syndication and streaming services. He played a mental hospital patient in the episode. In the episode, he uh, ends up sharing a room with Homer Simpson, and he sings his classic Billy Jean, shows off the, the, the dance moves, moonwalk, and all of that. A lot of people loved that, that episode, and now it is gone. And I just wonder what happens with the music. There are some radio stations that have already pulled it all. I don't know how widespread it's getting, but it started. Wow. All right, coming up next. It looks like the L.A. County Sheriff's Department is back in trouble with the gangs that exist among deputies. All about tattoos and hazing and making life hell for the new deputies. We've got more allegations of that coming up next. Gary and Shannon. Wayne Resnick is here. Shannon, coming up after Amy's news at the top of the hour, we will get you everything that's trending right now. Everyone, everything that everyone is talking about. Also, the story of the man in New Jersey who won that Mega Millions jackpot. His wife doesn't want him back, even though he's won that $273 million. Why does he want her back is the real question. Mm, We'll break down that relationship. And the nine news nuggets you need to know coming up in the one o'clock hour. All the stories that kind of fell through the cracks this week that we didn't get to for one reason or another. All right. Uh, It looks like the L.A. County Sheriff's Department is back in trouble with deputies saying that there are tattooed members that are bullying weaker members of the department. There were legal claims filed against the county yesterday by seven deputies. They say that the Banditos, a clique of predominantly Latino deputies who wear tattoos of a skeleton with a sombrero, have been routinely harassing young Latino officers at the East L.A. station. They cite a party last September, a party for sheriff's deputies, and new deputies working in East L.A. were celebrating. They had successfully completed a probation period and their status as full-fledged members of the, of the sheriff's department was, uh, were being celebrated. But then the older deputies show up, the guys, the banditos with the tattoos. 
And they say the party ended in violence, that the banditos attacked several of the new deputies. One rookie says he was thrown to the ground and punched in the face before being knocked unconscious. Another said he was choked to the point of passing out. The attorney representing these seven deputies who filed the claim says this is not a case about beating up a handful of cops. It's about fear through intimidation. To maintain the corrupt status quo, make certain uh, certain cops don't talk. It's been going on for years. Now, the president of the deputies union says, I'm not going to comment on this while the investigation is going on. Now, July of last year is when Sheriff Jim McDonald said he was going to look into this. He was going to do a big study about these cliques that exist in the sheriff's department. But then Villanueva comes in. And he drops that investigation. Yeah, and that one I think started with was it out of the Compton station that there were a group of deputies who all had the same skull tattoo. Yes, uh, this goes back, by the way, to all the way to 1992. At least there was a watchdog panel in '92 that told the sheriff's department, "Hey, get rid of these clicks." They were focusing on the the 3,000 click. This is a band of deputies who worked as jailers on the third floor of the men's central jail known as the 3,000 level. Several members of the group were fired after a confrontation with two fellow deputies at a Christmas party. Uh, They allegedly punched a female deputy in the face. And sheriff's officials accused the group of using gang-like three-finger hand signs. And the jailers would earn their ink by breaking inmates' bones. That was in 92. Right. Fast forward 20 years after that, and there was, oh, I love these, blue ribbon commissions. Yeah. But there was one, and it said, uh, guess what? You haven't done anything about this problem in the last 20 years. Now, deputies have defended the tattoos. Uh, they say it's a benign camaraderie, a way to boost morale. And I'm sure there are deputies that get matching tattoos for those reasons. I'm sure there's thousands of deputies that have tattoos, and it's perfectly all above board. But there's probably a couple of those clicks. I believe that. Well, there's too much evidence of it. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. I mean, I don't think the issue now is, is this happening? The issue is, why can't anyone who runs the sheriff's department do anything about it? And it may be because it's very disruptive to go after Deputy clicks. Maybe they're well connected. They are well connected, apparently. So uh, these who's that sergeant? They um Patty uh I forget her last name. Uh, Patty Estrada. Yeah. And they call her Pink Hand. Yeah. And that is supposedly a reference you know, the Mexican Mafia prison gang, they have black hand tattoos. They call her Pink Hand. Yeah. And she's apparently buds. She uh, silences with some everybody. Of these- she silences everybody. People That's complain. The and Allegedly. Sh- right. Um, the claims are seeking millions of dollars, by the way. And they were filed by five young Latino deputies who were at that party we told you about. And two veteran deputies who say that they suffered retaliation because they went to station officials and said, we got to do something about these banditos. Maybe by Patty. Who knows? And I think one of them got demoted. One of them was passed over for a promotion. But tens of millions of dollars from the county for this. Well, they're not going to pay on the claim. You have to file the claim as the precursor to filing the lawsuit. Yeah. So the lawsuit's coming. Now, once the lawsuit comes, you have discovery and a lot of information is going to have to come out.
All right, coming up next, we'll get you everything everyone's talking about everywhere and Swamp Watch as well on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick in our flashback Friday gear as well. Fleetwood Mac, we decided to just play Fleetwood Mac all day today. We didn't want to pick a year. Well, because we had that Fleetwood Mac news in the 10 o'clock hour about how they're sad. About they're sad uh, Lindsey Buckingham isn't with them on tour. That there was an, yet another falling they're out. They're sad. They, kicked, they chose Stevie Nicks over him. He's had some health problems, too. Um, oh, yeah, he had heart surgery, and then it yeah. screwed up, I think, his throat his or something. vocal cords, I think. But yeah. this really came down to uh, Stevie Nicks got mad at him for, I think, wanting to push off the tour or something, and she made an ultimatum to the band. It's him or me. Well, you got to pick Stevie. These are the rumors. Yeah. Oh. oh, see what you did there? What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, White House Deputy Chief of Staff and de facto Communications Director Bill Shine is stepping down to join the Trump campaign. He will be joining the 2020 re-election campaign as a senior advisor. Now, some media outlets are uh, breathless and clutching pearls over this sudden decision, question mark. He was supposed to go with Trump to Vietnam for the second North Korea summit, but expected unexpectedly dropped off on the trip two days before. There are insiders saying that President Trump has been down on Bill Shine for at least a few months, believed he was ineffective, not what he hoped for when he hired him. They say his role basically became the person who adjusted the lighting and focused the cameras. Ooh, that's a that's a burn. It really is. Well, that's a tough job. Because uh, he was the sixth person to hold that position in the Trump administration. Can you name all of them? I don't think I could name half of them if I didn't have a cheat sheet here. Yeah, all I remember are Spicer and Scaramucci. Right. You had Hope Hicks and you had Mike Dupke and uh, Jason Miller. Jason Miller. This guy's come and gone. Here's the thing, because the story we have is from CNN. And there's some news agencies like CNN and the Washington Post that have really taken to, I really think they've lowered their journalistic standards a tad to run stories against the Trump administration. No doubt. Of which I am no fan, and I don't like Donald Trump, just to be clear. I don't want to be hit with a bunch of MAGA people going, you're our guy now. No, I'm not. (laughs) Oh, I am very much not. But fair is fair. And the use of all these stories... These big, quote, bombshell stories that are sourced only from people who want to remain anonymous. I have a nothing real hard else time. To ba- I don't like it. Yeah. I just I don't like it either, no matter who the target is. And here, though, they're trying to make it sound like there was a blow up and Trump hated the guy and he had to get out, except he's joining the campaign as a senior advisor. I don't think that if Donald Trump has had it with you and is done with you, that he has you come on to his reelection campaign. Right. I agree. Uh, R. Kelly trending still. Apparently, he has the money now to bail out of jail for a second time. 
Um, remember, he was put back into custody for back child support, owed his wife $161,000. Well, apparently he's got the uh, the money to pay her off and may be able to get out of jail. He is also under investigation now in Detroit for the possible mm-hmm. sexual assault of a 13-year-old girl in the early 2000s. Not to mention the the charges that stem from the um, four girls and one woman in Chicago that he's facing as well. Well, the FBI had a very good day today. One of the top ten most wanted fugitives has been apprehended in Maryland. A guy by the name of Lamont Stevenson. He was wanted for the murder. He murdered, allegedly, I guess we have to say, since he hasn't been tried yet. His girlfriend and her dog. They found him sleeping in a rental truck at about 2 a.m. just outside Washington, D.C. He told officers at first he was homeless and trying to get out of the weather, but they asked his name and he said, all right, you got me. I'm wanted in a number of crimes. Oh, and I have this gun in here as well. Yeah, there's there's this. I'm only saying this because it's true. There is a person today who's happy, and it's sad that this is true, and it's kind of dark. Whoever was number 11 on the 10 most wanted list... Just got bumped up. ...got bumped up into the top 10. And I don't think it would surprise you to know that it is a point of pride. Is it? Amongst a, yeah, amongst a lot of these guys. It is to be on that top 10 list. I can see that. Santa Anita Park has reopened a training track today so that there's, there are stabled horses there can stay active. Of course, the investigation into the deaths of 21 of the animals over the past 10 weeks has shut down racing indefinitely at Santa Anita. The training track is located inside the main track. It hasn't been linked to any of the fatal injuries. And, you know, Bob Baffert was talking about it, you know, like all athletes, horses need to stay active. So it's a good decision for their overall health that they can do the galloping and jogging and all of that. In the meantime, investigators are trying to determine what led to all those deaths. And they continue to focus almost entirely on the condition of the track. And they don't seem to really have an appetite to explore the other theory, which is that a lot of these horses were injured already and shouldn't have been running and were given drugs to mask their symptoms so yeah. that they could run. Shoot them up. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that was that was a factor in some of them, but the rain had to have taken a toll on this track. Oh, I'm sure it didn't help, but they only seem focused on one part right. That's of the true. problem. Whoopi Goldberg, we now know where she was. Remember there was all that talk? Is she going to host the, uh, oh, the they Oscars? Thought, I know, because she disappeared from the view, and everybody's like, oh, it's because she's been tapped to host the Oscars. No, it's because she was almost dead. Pneumonia. Pneumonia. She said she she contract contracted it in both lungs. She became septic. That is that, no joke. No joke. And this was a video, right? She wasn't there in the studio. She did a pre-tape thing to say, hey, here I am and I'm recovering from this. So we just still don't know how long till she's back. And then Steph Curry is in the news. You'll remember that little girl, the nine-year-old girl who wrote him a letter asking why his sneakers were not offered in girls' sizes. And so Steph Curry responded. And now she has helped design uh, the Under Armour sneakers for girls, and they are on sale in celebration of International Women's Day. Yeah, good for her. And he said, like, you know what? It just... I don't know. It just never occurred to anybody to make them also in girl sizes. 
Yeah. But he seemed cool. And the fact that they did she design the sock liner? Yeah. And she puts their inspirational messages now on the sock liner, like be fearless and, well, the, look at the look at a contrast in inspirational messages. One of them is be fearless. The other one, rock the curries. I love it. Okay. Well, you're nine. You know, a nine-year-old designer is going to be thinking outside the box there. Jan Michael Vincent dead at 73. Star no. of Airwolf. Airwolf. I, Amongst a, other things. It's not the only spot. thing that he did. The blind spot for me. What was Airwolf about? Uh, it, I, I know. All I know is there was a helicopter. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember if he was a co- Honestly, I didn't watch it. I don't remember if he was a cop or what it was, but I believe there was a helicopter involved. You know, his first on-screen appearance was in a Hardy Boys movie. I loved those. Yeah. Uh, Airwolf. At the behest of a shadowy government organization in an... In, an ig- enigmatic loner steals a supersonic military helicopter from its twisted creator and uses it to fight the bad guys around the world. Oh, now I kind of wish I had one. That sounds it. pretty good. Yeah, it does. All right, coming up next, a uh, man wins $273 million in that Mega Millions jackpot, and his wife still doesn't want him back. Wayne and I will dive into this relationship and see what the problem is when we return. Gary and Shannon. Well, you know that it does Maybe once, maybe twice. Oh, and it lights up the night. And you see your gypsy. You see your gypsy. Gary and Shannon. Coming up at the bottom of the hour when we dive into Swamp Watch, we've got a story about Michael Cohen's lawyer saying that the Trump people were dangling pardons. Pardon gate. Who's telling the truth? I think they only needed trust? to dangle one. Yeah. It's not a multi-dangler no, yeah. situation. One-stop shopping. Okay, so this guy in New Jersey who won the Mega Millions jackpot, $273 million, is making news because... Well, he says he wants to reward the Good Samaritan that's involved in this case. His name's Michael Wierski. He's 54, and he bought the ticket at the Quick Check on New Brunswick Avenue in Phillipsburg. He says he initially forgot the winning ticket at the store because he was distracted by his phone. God, the world's coming to an end, isn't it? With the phone distractions? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're bu- you're buying a ticket with the hopes of winning more money than you could ever imagine and having your life magically transformed until you die. And you can't and take yet, your eyes off Candy And Crush. then you're like, ooh, did I get any likes on my Instagram? And you forget the ticket? I don't know if Michael Wierski is an Instagram-like addict, to be honest. When I pulled Are up you his... digging? Is that a dig at his physical appearance? No, I just don't think that he is an influencer uh, on Instagram that oh, well, cares. okay. Well, I don't know what he was distracted on his phone by, but he was. And so the, the some person found the tickets and turned them in to the store staff who held them yes. for this guy. So he comes back the next day, gets the tickets, and presto changeo, he wins. Now he says he wants to give that good Samaritan uh, some money. As he should. Oh, can we do a gas go around? You bet your ass we can. Blake, fire it up. 
He wasn't ready. All right. You forgot your lottery ticket where you bought it, but a nice person turned it in. And so now you you have millions of dollars and you want to give the person who turned in the ticket for you some money. How much that... How much do you give them? Keep in mind, you have won a lump sum of $162.5 million. All right? How much do you give the Good Samaritan, Shannon? A million dollars. Blake? Um, I think you go biblical and showbiz. You give them 10%. Finder's fee, you know, first tenth back. $16 million. Nick? Oh. Mm, $200 grand. What? Oh my God! That's a good chunk. You make of money. Shannon look so generous, Isabella. I'd go five hundred k. That guys it. are really five hundred k can change your life. Amo, yeah, but Kingo. you get a hundred and fifty. I mean, yeah, I'd give him like twenty million. Twenty million. Amy King's the best out of all of us so far. What about you? Well, if I say anything more than twenty million, it looks like I'm I'm trying to virtue signal. But would you? Uh maybe, but certainly <laughs> twenty certainly twenty million. Really? Yes, because that person could easily have taken the ticket and signed it, and they would be the winner. Yeah. And nobody would ever, ever know. True story. Now listen to this. This guy's wife is a woman by the name of Eileen. And they just divorced in October. She works uh, for a utilities company. And during their 15-year marriage, she says this guy was unemployed the whole time. She was supporting him the whole time. And she's still paying him spousal support. They, they, they asked her, the Post asked her, would you want him back now? And she says, no. She says, I'm not going after anything. I have morals. I know what I've worked for, and it's everything I have. And... She wouldn't talk about why the marriage ended. Because he was unemployed for 15 years. Exactly, Amy. And so she lost all respect for him? Is that what happened? Uh And can't love him anymore? Well, yeah. She says, think about it. How long did I work? How long did I support him? I had to give him a lot of money in the divorce. You know, it does make sense. I mean, good on her in the sense that she's saying, look, for whatever reason, I don't love him anymore, and I didn't really respect him, and it would be immoral for me now that he has all this money to suddenly decide I wanted him back in my life. But also, is there any indication here that he wants her back? Is he talking about maybe she'll take me back? Because I, I haven't seen it. I don't know, Wayne. He's not a real heartbreaker. I don't know how many options there are. Are you Again, is this a reference to his physical appearance? You are so shallow. It's unbelievable. I'm just saying it, that's not true. I am just saying that in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, mm-hmm. I don't know how he's going to clean up. Well, with $160 million, I think he will certainly clean up to the maximum ability of anyone to clean up. Wait, and did you say that she has to pay him? Yes. Okay, so now he's got income, and she can probably go to court and get that uh, stuff. There was some one of these stories I saw about it. She said, I'm going to go back to court. And I thought... Before I realized that she had been paying him support, I thought she meant she's going to try somehow to make a claim on some of his money. But that's not it. She's going to go back to court and say, I don't think I need to pay him support anymore. I didn't mean clean up in the sense of, like, getting a haircut and uh, a shave and a a new outfit. Oh, you meant he's going to be— Clean up with the ladies. He's going to be— Because uh, it's only a population—it's a very small town. I mean, 15,000 people. I don't think he's going to be inundated with a, a single women 
clawing at his new new cash. I think that with 160 million dollars, he could probably move. That's a strong. If that point. was his desire, that. that's a strong. Point, he could point. probably find out. I bet you he's googling right now cities with the most eligible women in America who like money. All right, coming up next, Swamp Watch. And coming up at uh, 1 o'clock, emotional support animals. Airlines are cracking down. How far and how much? We'll tell you all about it. Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick in today making excellent points. Shannon, Wayne Resnick in today. Hoffman will be back on Monday. 12.30, we dive into all things Washington. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Swamp watch. President Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, will be serving his four-year jail sentence for fraud in a club-fed prison in Maryland. He was looking at uh, 25 years for hiding millions of dollars of income earned by political consulting in Ukraine, but he is going to be in this what's called a stress-free FCI in Cumberland, Maryland, for 47 months. They say that it's a minimum security institution, a go-to for white-collar Washington criminals, and it's been described as more like a junior college setting than a prison. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. it's not clear whether he will be in the minimum security thing or in the adjacent camp, which is even nicer. They say it's like a junior college setting, according to uh, a former a former crook who runs Wall Street Prison Consultants. This guy basically gets uh, white collar criminals. Oh, is this Larry Levine? Yeah, yeah, ready for the clink. I did an interview with him. He is a fun guy. Yeah, he is. He great he's good, stories. Good. Uh, you know the thing about these camps. I remember my father used to be the chaplain at Lompoc. Oh wow! And one day he took me there, and we're driving up. And it's just like driving up to the uh, the campus of a community college or something. Yeah. And I said, well, there's no fences. There's no walls. I mean, there is at the penitentiary up there, but not at the camp. And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, you mean they could just walk away and go down the road? And he goes, yeah. They'd probably get caught and be in trouble, but yes, they could. And it blew my mind as a child. Yeah. That you could possibly have any kind of prison without walls. Manafort will be able to send and receive mail, make outgoing phone calls, see visitors once he chooses once a week. He'll have access to email every day. There's a gym, a softball field, a running track, televisions. He can roll in classes, music business. They are free to leave the premises premises when they do choose to do jobs in, in the yard there. Yeah, I mean, not leave the premises of the whole facility, but they can leave the building. And don't they have, isn't that where they have Magdalene House? Where your relatives can come and stay. It's a very nice little place. It sounds like a and b with Mm -hmm. um, double beds. And 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 they make your meals for you when you're visiting. 
an inmate. There are no bars, no towers, locks on rooms, or barbed wire fences at this facility. So, good for you. Oh, look at that. Colorful quilts made by inmates. Lovely. Well, Michael Cohen... uh, says that President Trump's advisors dangled the possibility of a pardon for him last year. This is as congressional investigators are zeroing in on the president's pardon power. The issue of pardons seems to be a key line of inquiry as Democrats launch a series of sweeping investigations into Trump, uh, into his political and personal dealings. Lanny Davis is is, uh, Cohen's lawyer, and he said in a written statement yesterday that his client was open to the ongoing dangling of a possible pardon by Trump representatives privately and in the media in the months after the FBI raid Cohen's home. He's still open after all the trash? Does he really think at this point he's going to get a pardon? Well, I think it's it's the whole bit that uh, it, he said, she said, where uh, Trump saying he he would never pardon Michael Cohen. And Cohen says that he wouldn't accept a pardon. And in fact, Trump had offered him a pardon. Yeah. And- well, you got to go. He should. have. I mean, if he wanted the pardon, he needed to go into the tank for President Trump and not what he did. I don't know why Trump would pardon him now. What the hell are the Democrats doing? They're already screwing themselves, really. I think this uh, this was. Proven yesterday when the House of Representatives approved a broad resolution condemning bigotry. This is because a Democratic member made some remarks that some viewed as anti-Semitic. And the Democrats all grabbed hold of their pearls and uh, freaked out that that one of their own may have said something that may have been offensive. And so they had to pass a resolution to make it clear that they are not anti-Semitic and and therefore drawing attention to them, drawing attention to themselves. Right. Perpetuating the focus on on what uh, Representative Elon Omar said, which wasn't I mean, I don't find it to be anti-Semitic. It's anti-Israel for sure. It's anti-Zionist. Absolutely. Um, It's whether you believe in her mind, she can separate the Jewish religion from the state of Israel. Of course, the state of Israel doesn't really draw that line. So I don't know. But she was really talking about money in politics. And she used an unfortunate phrase, I guess. She said she was talking about why is Congress support Israel so hard compared to the Palestinians. And she wanted to make the points about the lobbying from the pro-Israel lobbies. And she said it's all about the Benjamins, baby. And people said, oh, Jews money, you're being anti-Semitic. And so the Democrats have to rush to put together a resolution right. to show how un-anti-Semitic they are. Which they all vote, all the Democrats did vote for the resolution. But you're just drawing attention Yeah, to I know, you're making a whole big you're thing about, like, why, why must you protest too much? It's also created this division. Not created, excuse me, the division was already there. It's exacerbated this division between old school and new school. You know, you got this crop of fresh person Congress people, and they don't necessarily dig what Nancy Pelosi is about. And this whole thing was part of it because a lot of the younger members of Congress said, first of all, you shouldn't do it because we know you're pointing the finger at her, one of our colleagues. Number two, if you're going to do it, you better condemn all kinds of hate, which they ended up doing. And it just shows that the here's the deal. The Democrats might rip themselves into. Before they can ever get around to trying to uh, 
have Donald Trump right. be a one-term president. That's exactly right. Crystallized the point perfectly. All right, coming up next, guess who, guess who the president watched the Super Bowl with? Turns out he was with the woman who founded that day spa in Jupiter, Florida. Yes, that spa. The spa where Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, was caught paying for some stimulation, shall we say. Let's leave it at that. Yes, true story. We'll tell you the details when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Wayne Resnick is in. Shannon, Wayne Resnick hanging out today. President Trump is visiting a row of 23 crosses, one for each person killed by that tornado in Alabama. Trump and Melania held hands today as they observed a moment of silence in front of each of the markers that have been erected near a church. Each cross has the victim's name and a red heart. Flowers, stuffed animals have been left at the at the crosses there. And it looks like there's more... Uh, Potentially more tornadoes in the, in the forecast for Beauregard, Alabama, uh, coming up this weekend, unfortunately. Well, before the break, we told you about the president and his Super Bowl party. He was cheering on the Patriots with the founder of the day spa, the same day spa where Robert Kraft was busted. This was a party at Trump's West Palm Beach Country Club. And there are pictures. There are pictures of the president with Lee Yang. Lee Yang is 45 years old, a self-made entrepreneur from China who, yes, started a chain of Asian day spas in South Florida. Over the years, these establishments do have picked up a reputation for offering sexual services. She says she does not own, she has not owned the particular spa that is the subject of the Robert Kraft case. Apparently, but she does still owns other spas in the area that are written up on. And I don't know where you find these websites, but I guess they're websites where guys go on and write about where the best place to get a happy ending is. And uh, some of the spas that she still owns apparently get high marks for that. Her family's uh, Tokyo Day Spas have attracted the attention of at least two local police agencies. Over the allegations of prostitution, and as you mentioned, they turn up on these um, online comment forum, dark web places. The Miami Herald did a brief interview with her over the phone. She said that she and her family have never broken the law, but she did not answer questions about whether she knew of the allegations that her therapists and her spas were offering sex. She added that she was out of the business, she's moving to Washington, D.C., and she doesn't want any negative press. Mm. How does she get into a Super Bowl viewing party with pres- with Donald Trump? She has become a fixture at Republican political events up and down ah. the East Coast. Her Facebook page covered with photos of her with Trump, his two sons, uh, Rick Scott, Sarah Palin. 
president's oh. campaign man- manager. She's a donor. She donates to the, the Republicans. She's met several high-level Republican operators at charity events and galas. She sometimes carries a rhinestone-encrusted MAGA clutch purse. Since 2017, she and her relatives have contributed more than $42,000 to a Trump political action. MAGA? That's how you say it? MAGA, right? Yeah, yeah well, I say I mean, MAGA all the time. Okay. <laughs> because, because honestly, I was like, oh, that must be some fancy brand of purse I'm not familiar with. Oh, no. It's a MAGA. Does it say MAGA in rhinestones I, I on th- the purse? I think that's what I'm getting from Oh, it. that yeah. is beyond tacky. She started this uh, chain of day spas in 2007. And the first to open up was in Palm Beach Gardens, but the second was that Jupiter Day Spa, the one that would Mm. become Orchids of Asia. And the online reviews of Orchids of Asia say a lot of the same people work there. Yeah. That worked there when she was in charge. Well, good for her. She built a whole empire with just her two bare hands. Oh, boy. Wayne, how dare you? It's a massage. It's massage parlors. A classy program. There is decorum on the station from 10 to 2, and you are violating that. How dare you? Coming up next. You better enjoy your emotional support animal while you can, because they're going to take that that iguana away from you. We'll tell you everything you need to know when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Hanging out with me today. Hoffman will be back on Monday. Hopefully, he'll be able to escape the cabin in the woods. Chelsea Manning has been jailed for refusing to testify to a grand jury in Virginia investigating WikiLeaks. The judge there ordered her to jail after a brief hearing where she confirmed she has no intention of testifying to the grand jury. She says she objects to the secrecy of the process and that she already revealed everything she knows at her court martial. President Trump says he feels very badly for Paul Manafort. Of course, Manafort sentenced by a federal judge to nearly four years in prison for tax and bank fraud. Well, I'm upset about this this development, Wayne. I get a big kick out of stories where people have emotional support animals. Yeah. I get a real big kick out of that. The wide variety. Yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, the... the baby dog in, in the carrier in, in, in the plane. You know, like when people have chickens and things like that. When you go to the exotic bracket. Remember the peacock? The peacock. Oh, man. Well, this gravy train may be coming to an end. Alex Stone joins us and ruins all of our fun with the details. What it means is you can't bring Hoffman on a plane any longer and put a vest on him and call him your service animal. (laughs) This is not going to work anymore. American Airlines today uh, clamping down. All of the airlines have been clamping down over the last couple of months. And that peacock, Wayne, on United is what really set it off. If you remember the pictures of that passenger 
walking through the airport with the peacock, angry that United wouldn't allow it on. And they decided, okay, they've got to figure this out. But they continue to have problems. There was a Frontier flight a couple of months ago. It was delayed for a few hours because a woman had her emotional support squirrel with her. And she said, well, she booked a ticket. And on that ticket, she let them know she was going to have a squirrel, and they approved it. And then once she was on board, they said, no squirrel, and it turned into a big hubbub on board with her refusing to get off, and, and finally they, they got her to, to get off the plane. So they've been increasingly doing this, but they're continuing to have problems. So today, American Airlines saying, okay, basically, you can, if it's a service animal, you can have a dog, cat, or in very limited cases, a miniature horse. Where do they poo? <laughs> How do they poo is what I want to know. You've got a horse on board. Do you put a little baggie on the, the back of it? Well, some of those horses aren't any bigger than a big dog, though. Yeah, I guess so. As long as maybe that's the very limited cases, if it is a very small miniature horse. But I, I don't know what, what I'm do, flying. What I don't want we, a miniature horse next to What are we but. doing here? I don't know. Alex, I actually have a, a question for you. Yeah. And that is, uh, when they talk about these limitations, are they talking about support animals, or I guess, I'm sorry, service animals, which is a much more reputable thing, or just emotional support animals? They're talking about both. So the, the rules today with American Airlines, on the service animal side, it can only be a dog, cat, or a miniature horse. Uh, on the emotional support side, it will only be dogs and cats now. The, the customers can bring on board and... There are going to be a lot of rules about that because we all know that there are people who bring their dog and put that vest on them that they got off of Amazon and say, this is my emotional support animal uh, or even service animal in some cases, and they should be allowed to come on board with me because then they come on board for free. They don't have to pay to put them in the belly of the plane. They can bring them into the cabin. They can have them there the entire time, sometimes even take them out. I was on a flight a couple of years ago to Florida where – there was an open seat in the middle, and the lady took out the dog and even put, a, uh, put the seat belt around it, this little fluffy dog, and it sat there out the entire time. And, you know, flight attendants don't want to get into a fight about it, so they just kind of dealt with it. But that would be against the rules. So now on American and United and Delta have somewhat similar rules, but uh, American cracking down the most now that they say that uh, emotional support animals now are going to have to have a veterinary health form with immunization details. So your vet is going to have to say, yes, that this is a, a dog that is a support animal, and here are all of the, the shots that this dog has had or pills that they've taken to, to get them immunized. And they're going to have to be over four months old. There's no more carrying your puppy on board, carrying your kitten on board. They're not going to be allowed on at all if they're under four months old. And these airlines have already said, many of them, that they need a doctor's letter from your doctor saying that, that you've got to have that animal there or you're not going to be able to bring it on. I mean, they're doing everything they can right now to try to get around everybody who's been fooling the system to, to fly their animals for free and to have them in the, the cabin with them. Alex, remember the time back in 2014 when that woman took her 80-pound emotional support pig on that U.S. Airways flight? I mean, why wouldn't she be allowed to have that? Why you know, we, we don't want she? a pig sitting next to us, right? Absolutely. Or, or the turkey in 2016 when passengers on that Delta flight decided, discovered that somebody had their emotional support turkey on board. Yeah, well, and there was a, a case not that long ago. The, the lawsuit was just filed uh, about a week ago, but the, the case actually goes back to 2017. Five-year-old girl, Portland Airport, 
there was an emotional support animal there in the terminal in the waiting area. She went by it, and it bit her in the face. Mm. And she has pretty bad injuries, according to her family, that she's had to have reconstructive surgery and, and some other things. And now that family filed a lawsuit about a week ago against the dog's owner, against Alaska Airlines, that uh, they were flying Alaska, against the Portland Airport for not enforcing rules that the, the family believes should have been enforced. So it can be serious at the same time as well. That was a pit bull. Uh, and that, that you're flying with a pit bull that you're claiming is your emotional support animal, but yet it, it bites a little girl in the face. And that's what these airlines are trying to get around. Americans saying that, or, or stop from happening, American did a survey of over 10,000 of its employees and 18,000 customers saying, what should we do? And these are the rules that they have come up with now that they announced today of the cat, dog, miniature horse, and only cat and dog promotional support and the other rules because it seems like that no matter what rules they put in place, the passengers figure out some way to get around it and to claim, well, it's my legal right to have this animal, I'm disabled. And, and so now they're saying, okay, yeah, with service animals, they, they have to allow them on board to an extent, if it's a, a horse, dog, or a cat. Uh, and and they're saying, but now you have to prove it, and you really have to show it that you can't just show up and say, this is my emotional support, this is my service animal, let me on board. Are there any rumblings yet from anyone that uh, this is a violation of the American with Disabilities Act and somebody's going to sue the airlines for tightening up? Well, maybe on the uh, service animal side, they have to be very careful with those and, and go right a- along the, the legal grounds of, of what they lines of what they have to allow on board. On the emotional support side, not really. I mean, that's been kind of the the loophole for so long that there's nothing really legal saying they have to allow those emotional support animals on board. Uh, but it's been a, a customer service thing where they've allowed you to bring your iguana or your monkey on board because it makes you feel better. But they really don't have to because you can't prove to them that your monkey is actually a, a medical necessity. And Missouri, by the way, even has a bill going through its legislature right now that they're looking at it would be a crime. It would be illegal to lie about your support animal, to say that that you need it for medical purposes if you really don't. So there's a lot of cracking down going on and a lot of passengers who aren't going to be able to fly with their you know, tiny little fuzzy pooch in the, the carrier flying first class mail to New York. Does, it's not going to last that much longer. Does this create a business opportunity for some airline to say, hey, you want to bring your peacocks on our airline? Here we go. Oh, you're on <laughs> the, to the something. friendly guys for peacocks. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, maybe. Uh, it's up to the airline. Uh, it, the Southwest uh, is much more in line with what the, these other airlines are doing. Frontier, apparently, you can fly with many things but squirrels, even though the, the woman tried. that A squirrel is not going to work. But they're a little bit more liberal on Frontier, probably on Spirit, some of the, the lower-cost airlines. They uh, they might allow it, but but yeah, I mean, you would. Can you imagine me like a zoo on board? Like Noah's <laughs> you Ark. can bring whatever animal you want as long yeah. as you're an emotional support animal. And people are showing up with monkeys and iguanas and pigs and and uh, flying across the country. <laughs> I uh, I think my favorite emotional support animal was the duck that the woman brought on a flight to Asheville, North Carolina. It had that little Captain America diaper on it and the tiny red <laughs> shoes. Yeah. So cute. Um, Maybe that's how you do the horse. you got to put a diaper on it, right? I mean, even if it's a small horse, it's going to be pooping. Well, all poop. animals poop, Alex. Do they? I read that in a book. You know? That's yeah. true.
Yeah. That's true. Maybe maybe horses can poop in their carrier, too. I don't know how that works. Okay. Well, uh, I want an investigative report next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Alex. Appreciate you got it. it. Have a good weekend, guys. You too, man. All right. Bye, Alex. All right. Coming up next, it is the first from Marvel female-led superhero film, and it's opening this weekend. We'll get an update on Captain Marvel when we come back. And free movie Friday when we return as well. Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick in. Shannon, Wayne Resnick in here today. And it is Free Movie Friday with Adam Tickets. Now, this is ending after this month, so be sure to tune in every Friday for a chance to win before it all ends. The Adam Tickets app lets you browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all from your phone. You get to skip the lines. Adam Tickets wants to give you a chance at free movie tickets. Here's what you do. Text DATING. To Adam1 for your chance to win. Text dating to ATOM1 for your chance to win. Standard data and text message rates may apply. Well, Captain Marvel is finally here. A lot of hype about this movie. Matt Wolf joins us now, ABC News Entertainment contributor, to tell us. What do you guys, think? Guys, well, first of all, you got to you gotta crank that Fleetwood Mac up again. That tusk, that just gets me going every single I time. I know, that's doesn't it? Look at that. That's my jam right there. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Love it. Good stuff. Yeah, Captain Marvel. Okay, launches today in 4,310 theaters on International Women's Day. Wow, that's a record for March. And the box office kind of needs Captain Marvel right now. We're down 27% uh, in ticket sales overall compared to last year. It's expected to be $155 million gross for this weekend. It's going to do well. There's no question about that. Did you see the movie? Do you like it? I have not seen it yet, but I will tell you this. Several people just a few minutes ago here in the ABC newsroom, some people saw it last night, and there's some, let's just call it spirited debate about the picture, and I'll tell you what's going on here, and I've heard this going into it. Now, Again, reserving judgment because I haven't seen the movie yet. The debate as to what's happening is that there's some people that, that are out there that's saying that if you've seen the movie and you don't like it, and if you're a female, you're either a bad feminist, or if you're a male, you're a sexist. And if you, know, if you don't feel empowered by this thing, you don't get it. Guys, last time I checked, you know, you don't have to be you know, told that you need to love something just because, it, in this case, it's a female-led superhero film. And that's a slippery slope for a lot of people right now. That's a good point. But the, but the media is making a lot of that fact. So well, it, does, it does seem like there is pressure being brought to bear in a big way. Well, let's go back a couple of years. You know, a lot of Marvel's critics, and I should say this right now, you know, Marvel Studios, owned by ABC parent company Disney, a couple of years ago, Marvel Studios, they were taking heat because when Wonder Woman came out and did gangbusters, everyone's like, okay, Marvel, what you got? Wonder Woman beat you to the punch. Where's our Black Widow movie with Scarlett Johansson? Where's our, you know, female-led movie? So, you know, Marvel spent a lot of time and a lot of energy getting this thing together, together getting an Oscar-winning actor 
actress in the in the form of Brie Larson to make this thing good. So you want to talk about a lot of pressure. You want to talk about a lot of attention. You want to talk a lot about you know this thing being on Marvel Studios' shoulders. Yes, there is that spotlight on them now, and I think it's going to still perform well. But you still, I think, are going to have that underlying debate. And in my opinion, that's kind of healthy. That's okay. But just let's not take this too seriously because you know R.I.P. Stan Lee. If he were alive today, he'd say, you know what? Go to this movie, get something out of it, be entertained, and if not, don't worry about it. You know, it, let's not change the world or ostracize somebody just because they don't like the movie. That's funny you you bring that up because I, I I'm not rushing to the theater to see this. I mean, right. I'm, I'm I'm curious about it, but it, I feel a little bit of guilt over that because I, uh, you know. As a woman, you should want to go see this movie. <laughs> Listen, you, you know, th- these are movies. They're here to entertain us. And, you know, like I said before, if you get something out of it, if there's a message you want to glean from it, if you have something that resonates from the movie for you on a personal level, that's fine. That's all well and good. Just don't point the finger in judgment at somebody and saying just because they didn't like the movie, well, you don't back us up. You know, you, you're, not, you're not in the same corner as womankind here. You know, that's, that, that shouldn't be like that. You should go there, have fun. Have a good time and not get into a family Thanksgiving dinner argument over the thing. <laughs> Excellent advice, Matt. Yeah, Matt. Now, is this movie going to have uh, what I, I think this is becoming a thing, a post-credits content that hints at what's coming in the Marvel Universe in future but of films? of course, man. You know, Avengers Endgame is right around the corner. And if you saw the last movie, Avengers Infinity War, there was a major post credit scene which led into the Captain Marvel movie. And now the Captain Marvel movie, which, by the way, is set in the 1990s, has to come full surf- uh, circle and bring it back to Avengers Endgame. So I expect to see a pretty significant uh, you know, end credit scene there. No doubt. All right. And now, uh, and I don't know if you know this or not, why Why is there a Captain Marvel in the Marvel world and there's also Captain Marvel in the DC world? Very interesting point you bring up. Shazam is coming out in a couple of weeks, and we all have fond memories, depending on how old you are, of that show when you were a kid. Remember, you know, going around with the old guy mentor <laughs> in the Winnebago? Well, they're making a movie out of this thing. This is DC's Captain Marvel. He's never really referred to as much in popular culture as Captain Marvel. He's more or less Shazam. You know him as the Big Red Cheese. And he's going to be played by Zachary Levi. And if you've looked at some of the reviews for that, and that's coming out in a few weeks, the reviews have been off the charts. DC all of a sudden is starting to right their ship with their movies, and they're making some pretty good films. Aquaman killed it over the holidays. They killed it. This is going to be a big year, I think, for DC. You've got Shazam coming up. You've got the standalone Joker movie uh, directed by Todd Phillips that's already getting, you know, really good buzz. So they seem to be riding the ship. Not that Marvel has to, you know, go, oh, no, you know, what's this all about? But it ups their game. It ups competition. And that's healthy for everyone. Matt, well, thank you so much. Good stuff. We'll talk to you guys. Coming up Thanks, next, Matt. the nine news nuggets you need to know. We'll break them down for you. Get out your dipping sauces. But now it's gone. It doesn't matter what goes. When you build your house, then call me home.
Gary and Shannon. Wayne Resnick joins us for our nugget time today. Hey, listen, next Friday we are going to be out at Old Stump Brewing Company in Pomona for our latest news and brews. Join us 10 to 2, Friday, March 15th. We're going to have prizes. We might have dancers. There's all sorts of fun things happening. Blake's going to be there. So there's that. Join us. Lie. Say you have an illness. Do what you have to do to get out of work and join us for news and brews at Old Stump Brewing Company in Pomona. All right, here we go. Honorable mention. Not supposed to mention. I was going to mention it when the time was right. It's network policy not to mention it. It's been an honor serving with you all. Didn't I mention it? What an honor it is. Great and honorable Moses. So today we're holding auditions to become the newest member of Honorable Mention. Fairhaven, Vermont. Fairhaven has a new mayor, don't they, Wayne? Yes, and his name is Lincoln. Oh, that's apropos. Is Lincoln his first name or his last name? No. It's his only name. Oh, like uh like Prince Cher. Yeah, Prince Cher Sade. Uh-huh. Because uh Lincoln is an unusual candidate for mayor. Is Lincoln male? Female? Gender fluid? We'll never know. Because Lincoln can't tell us, because Lincoln, the new mayor, is a goat. There were 16 pets on the ballot. (laughs) Most were dogs and cats. A gerbil named Crystal was also a candidate. (laughs) We're going to hell. Going somewhere. I think, here's the thing you need to know, because it sounds really wacky. Fairhaven doesn't have a mayor. This was symbolic, and it was a fundraiser to build a new playground. Oh, okay. I feel better now. But you know what's sad about it? Uh-uh. They didn't meet their goal. Oh. So they don't get the playground. I guess not. Number nine. Uh, number nine. I did nine plays. If a cop's dirty, nine times out of ten, his partner's dirty, too. Can I speak nine languages? I stay up till nine o'clock. Basically everybody at table nine. I feel ready to go another nine inning. Niner. Did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? Well, Republicans and Democrats will fight about anything these days on the House floor. And yesterday, they decided to fight about Nickelback. Uh, I would just like to add, in 2016, when the Census and the Federal Register asked for a comment on this, uh, 77,000 people did comment. Uh, Only four uh, wanted to keep this provision. Everyone else wanted to change this out of 77,000. Uh, that's probably about the percent of people who think Nickelback is their favorite band in this country. It's pretty low. Uh, and I think uh, if you look at it, Nickelback's your favorite band, I, I, I apologize to the gentleman. Why would you criticize one of the greatest <laughs> bands of the 90s? Wow. Mm. All right. One more reason why there's a difference between Democrats and Republicans, clearly. Clearly. Oh, I didn't realize Nickelback was a partisan issue. I, everything is a partisan issue. Number eight. Every eight seconds. Listening to eight different bosses drone on about mission statements. You know, we women, we can be jealous creatures, can we not? Sure. And uh, when women are pregnant, emotions are taken to the next level, correct? Yeah. That was the case in Zephyr Hills, Florida. Pregnant woman sees her boyfriend looking at a picture of another girl on his cell phone in the kitchen. 
It's not even his phone. It's his roommate's cell phone. Yeah, and in fact, for context, the roommate came to the guy and said, hey, I'm thinking about going out with this woman and showed him. And he looks, Mm -hmm. and the pregnant girlfriend comes in and says, why would you look at that girl on the phone and proceeds to stab him in the stomach with a steak knife? I don't. I don't know what else. You don't to see say. the problem with it. Oh why, no! Why I did yes, look at I, that girl. I'm sorry. You think that I? You think that, that I was pausing to decide whether or not what she did was wrong? <laughs> no, 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 no. Number seven. The seventh son of the seventh son. One of the seven days. With the government. Sector seven. Five, seven. Seven a.m. Seven years of college down the drain. Seven. 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 Seven, seven days. There was a guy in central Oregon who was stranded in the snow in his car for five days. Jeremy Taylor is his name, 36 years old. They finally found him. A search and rescue team did. He's an avid outdoorsman. He loves to go off-roading, but he got stuck in deep snow with his dog, Allie. He would turn on the engine periodically to warm up. And what did he eat for those five days? Do you want me to pretend I don't know and guess? No. You want me to say it? Yes. Three Taco Bell hot sauce packets. He would have survived anyway. Yeah, he would The spin on this story that he survived by eating the sauce is mistaken. True. He happened to eat some sauce while he survived impressively for five days. So the Taco Bell hot sauce did not save his life. I don't see how it could have. Taco Bell has offered him free food for a year. That's great. Yeah. Maybe that's why he did it. Maybe it's a hoax. Anybody seen the empty sauce packets? Maybe after he was rescued, he said, all right, how can I parlay this into some free food? Let me pick what chain do I think is the most generous. Five days is a lot of time to think. That's true. Nothing to do but to think. All right, we'll take a break and get to the rest of our nuggets when we return. Gary and Shannon, Wayne Resnick in today. Although it doesn't matter, you and me got plenty. Oh my gosh, you guys. President Trump is signing Bibles at a church in Alabama. You know what? My friend texted me the same thing about that and was like, what the hell is going on? Is that a thing? I I don't know, but it doesn't seem that odd to me. Given where he is, I'm sure they're religious people and they have Bibles and they support the president. Blake is a man of God and he's uh, shaking. Yeah, but is he a MAGA? Blake, Uh, are you a MAGA? No. Is there somebody in the world that you like a lot? Like a celebrity or somebody? What if that, um, what if that Christian yeah. singer What if that Christian singer uh, was around and you had your Bible? Would you ever sign it? No, I would not. Oh. Right. I don't no. think that's a thing. That's not like a piece of memorabilia. Right. Mm. It's the right. Bible, Wayne. For the love. All right. I'm sorry. I had Frank Zappa sign a Torah scroll for me once. So what do <laughs> I know? That's not true, by the way. That is not true. He is there to, of course, survey the damage from that tornado that killed 23 people. Uh, One of the volunteers there, Emily Pike, says the president and the first lady signed uh, her small Bible, uh, her daughter's Bible. She just reached out there and said, Mr. President, would you sign this? Oh, so he was asked to do it. So he's just being polite. Yeah, I don't know. Number six. 
I got six, you got six, she got six. Uh, number six. See, there's six more weeks of winter. Why do you have a picture of me, a rabbi, and six drunken longshoremen? Why don't we just stick her in a nursing home closer to us so I don't have to drive six hours? Drink another six-pack. Number six. A man in Germany has been sentenced to life in prison for poisoning his colleague's sandwiches. He was... Putting uh, heavy metals in the food. Two people had serious kidney damage. A third is now in a vegetative state after falling into a coma. The motive? He just wanted to see what would happen. Oh, my. Oh, speaking of which, I made this baklava here, Shannon. I was going to say, if you uh, wanted to poison someone around here, who would it be? I think I just got my answer. Number five. For five minutes! I have five rules. We begin bombing in five minutes. Five little monkeys. This is the year 5.5. Do me a favor and lose five pounds immediately. There's apparently a world-famous piano player in San Francisco who tows his baby grand piano around on his bicycle. What could go wrong? Well, what could go wrong is he crashed while biking down one of those super hilly streets they have and destroyed it. He was unhurt in the accident, and three days later, he was back performing on his damaged piano. What are we doing here? Oh, no. We're a really dumb species, aren't we? Four minutes! He's probably on his fourth tranquilizer by now. Commandment number four. There goes the fourth amendment. This isn't the same world you left four years ago, sir. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, Ounce Water, which was founded by the Sons of Anarchy star Theo Rossi and his wife Megan, uh, under fire. There's a lot of backlash from activists and at-risk youth people. I mean, you know, the people who look after at-risk youth. Because they've come out with this 40-ounce water package, and it looks like a bottle of malt liquor. Yeah. So kids are going to drink the water and think it's cool, and then and then uh, it's going to be a gateway drug to a Mickey's 40 or something? I think if they think it's insulting to the, the fact that there was a lot of high-alcohol content uh, stuff put into the black communities. Oh, you just made it real. It reminds them of that. Wow. All right, let's go. Let's three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. They were dead within three hours. Three. Security clearance level three. All three of you. Three. I got all three of you guys for the rest of your natural-born lives. After about three. three days, they both start to stink. Three. Well, there's a new sniffer dog working for the police in India, and what's great about this dog is he was just a mutt rescued from the street and they got him and put him into a police dog sniffer school and he completely surpassed all the fancy pants pedigree dogs oh that's sweet yeah that's a, that's a they were originally going to keep him as a pet and then it turned out that uh, asha is the dog's name had a nose every bit as good as the german shepherds and labradors they usually train good for him oh also the fastest runner that they have What's going on, you two? Pick out two fingers. One, two. There are two people in this house. There's two sons and no women. Two ringy-dingy. So this woman is in her apartment in Phoenix, and she's in her bedroom, and she smells burning in the kitchen. So she goes into the kitchen, and she sees a stranger, a man, in her kitchen, and he's cooking tortillas. Horrifying and yet curious. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. Wait, now, okay, I have a question. Yeah. Did he bring the ingredients for the tortillas with him when he broke in, or did he find them? I'm pretty sure that he found them in the house. You know, I think alcohol was probably a factor, and, and he was just hungry.
Oh, apparently he does have a history of drinking problems and is legally barred from consuming alcohol, but was drunk. You know, we're number one. You're a number one. We're number one, Ben. That's all that counts. I decided to look out for number one. Are you the number one? <laughs> Row number one. Number one. Uh, number one. Now, here is a girl committed to her dreams. Her name's Kaylee. Kaylee Peach. And she has a dream of becoming a tattoo artist. Her dream is so real for her. She decided that there would be no other job she would ever be able to have than a, than as a tattoo artist. And she took steps to make sure that that is the case. Because she was worried she might give in to the rat race and take a, a different job. A nine to five, an office, a cubicle job, maybe. So she had to prevent herself from doing that. So she got a face tattoo. <laughs> She tattooed the word cursed over <gasps> her eye. She's 26. That'll do it. And she's got 60% of her body inked. But this is the way she thinks she's going to break in to being a successful tattoo artist because there's really no other job that she can How about do. just become really good at being a tattoo artist instead of killing every other option? Ob- because guess what? Let's say you can't get any other kind of job. That doesn't mean anybody's going to hire you as a tattoo artist. Right. Mm, That sounds like a fail to me. I feel like it's a good shortcut that the kids like to take these days. Hey, I think Ken uh, is by himself today on the John and Ken show. The Ken show. show. I believe so. I heard that you were going to stick around and do the show with him. Yeah. Since you show and our show, and why not go for the trifecta? That would be 12 straight hours of radio. Ding dong with that Wayne Resnick. Appreciate you filling in the last couple days. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. All right. John and Ken coming up next. Stay dry, everybody, and blessings. Listen, ladies, it's been real and it's been fun. But has it been real fun? Mm -mm. Nope. Gary and Shannon.